Thank you for joining us today for the Oakwood Baptist Church podcast. This episode was recorded at the Home Builder Sunday School class, which Pastor Jones teaches at Oakwood. The lessons are taken from the book, The Ministry of Marriage by Jim Benny. Turn your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. Of course, we're talking about the ministry of marriage. That's the theme of our uh, series here. This is, uh, I believe, lesson six or seven, and I um, want to continue on in that. And so um, as you turn into Ephesians chapter five, of course, recognizing that uh, this chapter is just a very, very key chapter in the life of the family. It, it just talks about how a family should be structured and ordered um, and those kind of things. And so I often call it the Magna Carta of the family. Uh, we'll just look at one verse real quick. It says in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, the full significance of something is best understood in the original intent of its founders. Um, for, for example, I think um, places like Harvard and Princeton have, have really strayed from, from what they were originally founded to do. I, I don't think most people recognize that those institutions were founded really to train preachers of the gospel. Well, now I kind of tongue-in-cheek say, I don't even think Harvard would allow God to enroll if he paid his own tuition. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, um, they've really gotten away from the intent of its founding. Um, we often talk about that with the Constitution. Um, it's interesting to me in our culture how many people say, well, that's unconstitutional. They've never even read the Constitution. They don't, they don't even understand what it says, and they don't understand the original intent of the founding fathers who wrote it. And again, we, we would understand the document so much better if we understood the intent of the reason it was written. Um, a couple of years ago, I, every year I like to read a book on preaching just to try and sharpen uh, my, my uh, ability to preach and my responsibility to preach. And I was reading a book, and uh, again, I'm not going to get this verbatim, but the idea captured me. Uh, the author was talking about being true to the text. He was talking about, remember, we, we take an approach here of the historical, grammatical context of the Scripture. And he was saying, he said this, if the Apostle Paul was in your service while you were preaching one of his letters... Would he stand up and say, no, that's not what I meant? Uh, and that, that really gripped me. And I thought, man, I, man, I hope that never happens, right? You, you want to capture the original intent of what was saying. Because as we get closer to proper interpretation, we can have better application, right? So, so again, my, my point is the full significance of something is best understood in the original intent of its founders. Well... I say that because God is the founder of marriage. God created it. God instituted it. And so the question becomes, what did God intend for marriage? Now, we've answered that a little bit in this series. We, we've talked about uh, what is the purpose? Why did I get married? Why am I married? Um, and, and those kind of things. But let's further expound on that. What did God see as its purpose? And I'm thankful that we are not left to guess about that. We, we, we don't have to guess. We, we know because God has given us the Bible. And aren't you thankful for the scriptures that give us all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? And, and so I'm thankful for that. So we come to Ephesians 5.21. And the message of this verse, submitting yourselves one to another, is basically this. 
The husband should submit to the needs of the wife, and the wife should submit to the needs of the husband. I mean, that's just pretty simple, right? We want to meet each other's needs. In fact, there's, there's a book, if you like to read, um, we have used it here in this class. It's called His Needs, Her Needs. I would recommend it. It wasn't my favorite uh, of all marriage books, but it was a good book and it was helpful. Um, but I, I would encourage you to pick that up. Uh, a friend of mine told me, this is the best book on marriage ever. And so maybe I was, had it all hyped up as the book, best book on marriage ever. And that's why I didn't like it as much as he did. But anyway, it is a good book and it is an excellent premise, a biblical premise. Paul expounds on that same thought about meeting each other's needs in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, he said this, if there, if there be therefore any comfort of love in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So what that means is we don't just look out for ourselves, we're looking out for each other. Uh, and the Bible's saying that in a general sense. Really, that's the chapter where Paul says this, let this, mind be in, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the idea there is not, I, again, we use this language sometimes, it's not bad language, but it's, it's, I need the mind of Christ. And we're thinking about how the, you know, what job to take or where to move or some kind of future decision. But really when Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, it was the idea that Jesus set aside his own personal interests for the interest of others, namely being us, as he faced the cross. That's the mind of Christ. And so Paul is basically teaching us you need to have this sacrificial mind of Christ in your marriage, looking out for the needs of one another. So a good way to discern our spouse's needs is to study our responsibility. In fact, uh, I really like, I know some people don't like it, some people criticize, some people don't get as excited about it. I think Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich is a, an excellent marriage book. I find it very, very helpful. Um, and he kind of takes that same premise in that, is this, this idea is to discern the needs of our spouse, discern our responsibilities. And so we see that here in this particular chapter. You see that verse, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Emerson Egeridge says, as you submit and follow his lead, what you're doing is you're meeting the greatest need of the husband to be respected. And then it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He would say, husbands, as you love your wives, you are submitting to their greatest need to be loved. Doesn't mean that a wife doesn't need to be loved. Doesn't mean that a wife doesn't need to be respected. Uh, or vice versa with husbands. It just means that that seems to be a significant need in our life. And so I think that that's interesting. Now when you think about this, when you focus on your needs and push for your own rights, you become dependent upon the response of your mate for satisfaction. Um, like, like for example, have you ever said this before? Um, you, you know, you, you just made me so angry. Well, the truth is, is technically... Nobody makes you angry, you choose to be angry, right? And I think sometimes that's what we do is we put so much responsibility on somebody's responses that our life is determined by their response instead of fulfilling our own responsibility. See, when your fulfillment is determined by what you do instead of what is done for you, you, you end up gaining a little bit more control over your level of enjoyment in that marriage because you're putting responsibility on yourself instead of just relying on somebody else, their responses and their uh, fulfillment of their responsibilities, etc. You know, when you are dependent upon your mate for satisfaction, they fail to come through. What often happens is 
you're, you're kind of tempted to pressure and scheme somebody to meet your needs. I mean, that's why um, I've literally had people say, well, well, you know, you need to fix them. I mean, you need to make them do this. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't make anybody do anything. Uh, trust me, I've, I've tried before. You can't make anything, anybody do anything. Uh, but that's what, what happens is a lot of times people will manipulate or bully or scheme or pout or, or get angry. Whatever the case is, they'll, they'll try to uh, push somebody to do what they want them to do. And that's because their focus is on that person uh, for meeting their, their needs and satisfying them instead of fulfilling their own responsibility. So let's talk about some of these truths in this chapter here. And I'm going to talk to ladies first, just because that's the, the chronological order it's given in the scripture. And then um, I really don't think I'll get through all of it today, and we'll probably concentrate on fellas uh, next week. And so uh, let's talk about the ministry of the wife. Two main areas of ministry, because we're talking about submitting yourselves one to another. The ministry of the wife. And again, uh, this is something that we emphasize from time to time in our class. It's a repeated emphasis uh, from time to time. And, and it's not because I'm trying to beat a dead horse. I'm just simply trying to help relationships, honestly, because I do feel that this is a continuing problem when people are having relational struggles. Now, again, I recognize I may be looking out across the room and you're not having relational struggles. I mean, everybody's doing great. Good. I hope so. I mean, but again, remember what I'm trying to do. If you have a great marriage, you, you have to work to keep it great, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like anything else. It's, it's like your house. If you don't you know, take care of it, clean it, uh, repaint the walls, replace the, you know, you, there's got to be constant maintenance to take care of it. Otherwise, it's just going to become dilapidated. You got to change the oil in your car and rotate your tires and go for tune-ups and things like that. Well, your marriage is no different, right? So if you have a great marriage, make sure you're keeping doing the things that, that made it great. Otherwise, it won't stay great. All right, maybe, maybe you got a, a decent marriage, but you're just mm, wanting to get to that next, next part. Well, look, look th these are some things that will help you do it. And maybe you're struggling. And if you're struggling, then, uh, you know, these are some things that will help you in that area. So the ministry of the wife, I would say this, we could put it this, uh, to use uh, the language I already used, is respect. Or we could say this, follow. Uh, that, that idea, I know everybody gets really nervous about that language, about submitting uh, yourselves one to another. But then it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. I think there's key language. Everybody gets nervous about that. Listen, we should not get nervous about biblical principles and concepts and language in our church. We should not, okay? And, and uh, let's expound upon that. Let's talk about that. Um, but, but if you want to use the word respect or you want to use the word follow, I, th I think those are good words that might make you a little more comfortable that would, it would capsulate the same, the same idea. So the basic purpose of a husband is to lead. Okay? Now I want to say this to all of our men in here. We've, we need to provide good leadership in our homes. Um, there is a dearth of male leadership in the home in our culture. There's no question. We have, we have become a matriarchal society. Um, I believe most men have abdicated their responsibility to lead in their home. And listen, I'm not talking about being a tyrant. I'm not talking about being a bully. You'll, you'll hear me. We'll, we'll expound on that. We'll talk more about it. But I'm just saying it's our responsibility uh, to lead in our home. And so uh, it reveals that there's a need for men to be followed. Now, again, I recognize that there's been a lot of abuse about this, this teaching. Um, there's an extreme. I, I remember when I was younger, I don't know that you hear it as much today, but 
But I, I, I've heard people teach that a woman should obey her husband no matter what. Um, and, and the logic behind it is, well, he's responsible to God and you're responsible to him. And so let God take care of him. And so even if he asks you to do something immoral, unbiblical, illegal, then you should submit to that. That is, that is wrong. Okay, I want to be very clear. That is, that is false teaching. That is not true. And I'm going to give you Bible to prove that. 1 Peter 2 and verse 13 says this, Submit to every ordinance, ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Okay, so there, somebody say, ah, see, you, you, you obey man for God's sake. But hold on, the same man that said, submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, that, he's the same man that said we ought to obey God rather than man. That's Peter. So the idea here is, here's what the Bible teaches. When, when an authority tells you to do something that God said not to do, that authority becomes illegitimate because every authority is established by the ultimate authority. Okay? Now, now I think we have to be careful about that because we have a natural tendency to be rebellious. It's in our sin nature. So I want to be very uh, intent when I say this. We have an obligation to obey the highest authority, which is God, where His wishes are clearly given. All right? And I use that word clearly because I think sometimes, you know, somebody say, well, I don't have to listen to my parents because, well, listen, if your parents are asking you to do something that clearly God said not to, then I think that that authority becomes illegitimate. Like, you know, I've got kids. What if I wanted them to help me rob a bank? They should disobey me. All right. <laughs> but it has to be clear. Uh, is everybody tracking me? I hope I haven't lost you. All right. Uh, so, so I want to be very clear about that because I think this has been an abused teaching and it, it should not be. Um, let's make sure that when, if we bristle at this idea, let's, let's understand why some people bristle about it. Some do because many form opinions of this idea of submission on the basis of their own personal experience. And we, we must be careful about that too. Uh, for example, if somebody says, well, I just, I just can't, I, couldn't, I could never join a church because I had a terrible experience in a church one time. Listen, you have to be very careful about that kind of stuff because what you're doing is you're projecting uh, something on all churches, that, and that's not fair. And our culture does this, right? All police officers are bad. That's not true. Well, we got one sitting in here today. He's... He was behind me the other day and didn't pull me over. He's not a bad guy. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but anyway, you know, look, all men are bad. All women are bad. All churches are bad. All pastors are authority abusers and stuff like that. You have to be really careful about that. And that can easily take place in, in your own home. For example, if, if a young lady grew up in a home where a wife was treated badly, where she had to, you know, live in this subjection and, and, and this oppressive cloud, then a young lady might grow up and say, well, hey, no man is ever going to treat me that way. And you understand why she would feel that way. But you have to be careful not to totally reject the truth because of your experience and your reaction to that. All right? It's the same, same for a guy. I mean, what if, what if a young man grew up in a home where the wife was, was very dominant? Uh, where the, the, you know, 
me personally, I don't, I don't like that expression, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Because to me, what it says to me is, if I don't get my way, I'm going to pitch a fit and make everybody miserable. Um, so you better make me happy, otherwise I'll burn the whole place down, you know? And I think that that's horrible. <laughs> uh, and so what if you grew up around somebody where, where yeah, if, if the lady didn't get her way, boy, she was angry and pouted and, and pitched a fit and did this and that, and, and she just dominated and emasculated uh, the dad, uh, then I can see sometimes a young man growing up in that environment and saying, well, I'll just tell you right now, uh, a woman needs to be put in her place. My dad never did it, and so I'm going to do it. Look, hey, you, you can't react that way. That's, that's, a, that's a bad thing too, right? Um, man, I, I know I'm walking on uh, thin ice here. You guys are looking at me a little funny. I, I'm just saying, I, th I think that we, we have to recognize that we are influenced by the way we grew up, right? I don't believe in determinism like Freudian psychology teaches, but I do believe that our environments influence us and our experiences shape us a little bit. And what, what do we want to do? We want to let this shape us more than anything else in our life, right? We want to be transformed by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. And remember, we've talked about that before. What is transformation? It's not conforming like the world, putting us into a mold. It's God working in us and through us. All right, so reactions like I just described stem from a real obvious misunderstanding of what mutual submission uh, is submitting one to another and, and, and a misunderstanding of what a man lovingly leading his home and a wife lovingly following uh, proper leadership. Um, you know I'm a sports fan and so I'll use this, use this uh, illustration. Um, most people would say probably one of the greatest prolific uh, dynamic duos in football. I mean, aren't you ready for football to start? Oh my goodness, I cannot wait. Uh, man, it's uh, a little less than three weeks, and so, man. Mm. Uh, but anyway, uh, Montana and jo uh, Joe Montana and uh, Jerry Rice, uh, most would say, I mean, man, you can't get a much better dynamic duo than those two, right? I mean, uh, you could make an argument that Joe Montana is certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and I don't even think it's much of an argument at all that Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time. So you had these two uh, playing together at the same time and winning Super Bowls and so forth. Well, I mean, in the, in the huddle, uh, Joe Montana made the calls. He made the decisions. Uh, and the, reasons, the reason he could make these decisions is because he was the head, right? I mean, he had to lead. Now, I'm, I don't know, I wasn't in the huddle, but I'm imagining that in the huddle, Jerry Rice didn't look at Joe Montana and yell, that's the stupidest call I ever heard of in my life. Um, I think that Jerry Rice certainly gave his input. They wouldn't have been as good together if they didn't have feedback and say, hey, I've been noticing that the defense is doing this. What do you think about this? But at the end of the day, I mean, if Joe Montana says, hey, you need to run this route and he decided to run a different route, that's chaos. I mean, we, we've all watched a football game, if you're a football fan, and watched a quarterback completely throw it to nobody. And, and it makes the quarterback look foolish, really. But a lot of times, that's not the quarterback's fault. The receiver wasn't listening. The receiver wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. There has to be a head, and there has to be... Look, anything with two heads is a monster, right? And so God's kind of helping us in this area. Now, 
Others form an opinion from popular teaching and cultural influences. Maybe it's not their experiences, but they form an opinion from popular teaching and cultural influences. So to ignore this biblical teaching, I think, produces dangerous results. Listen, think about this. If I don't have my home in proper biblical structure, what what this does is it has a propensity to produce rebellious children. Okay, because they're seeing rebellion modeled. So you need to consider that. All right, another thing is I think a lot of times, again, I, I want to be delicate with this one, but I think it also sometimes encourages homosexuality. Listen, it, 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 it's, it's a very clear observation and understood. You, if you have a very, very domineering, overbearing mother and you're a guy, you have a, a higher likelihood of becoming a homosexual. It's just true. Okay, and I know that's popular. It's probably going to be on recording. I could get in a lot of trouble for saying that. But we haven't always been the most politically correct place in the first place. So anyway, uh, just throwing that out. I think it destroys family unity. I think it discourages male initiative. It encourages lazy husbands. And I think it drives a wedge between husbands and wives. So let, let, me, let me say this. Why then should you yield to the leadership of your husband? Well, first of all, I would say this, it's commanded by God. Um, that's good enough, right? I mean, that verse is very clear in its, in its declarative language. Wives, submit yourselves. It's not asking a question. It's not giving a suggestion. It's making a command. And so when God commands something, we understand that if God declares something and tells you to do it, it's for your good. If God tells you don't do that, it's for your good. I think we should all know that God is good enough to declare those things, that if he prohibits something or promotes something, it's always for our benefit and for our good. And so we understand that if God commands us to do something, we should do it. And we do recognize that in the Bible, obedience brings blessings and disobedience brings uh, consequences, right? What do I say sometimes? You choose to sin, you choose to suffer. And when we choose to sin, we're choosing to bring suffering in our life and in our relationships. So I think that, that in and of itself is good enough. God commanded it. All right? Number two, submission expresses a trust in God. You know, like a lady might be asking, yeah, but how do I find when it's a really bad decision? Well, that's a fair question. But I think, first of all, you need to ask, is it why are you saying it's a bad decision? Is it just a bad decision because it's not the one you would make? Or is it legitimately a bad decision? And so I know that, that there's a lot, lot that goes into a question like that, but I, I think sometimes when you, when you are following proper leadership, you are expressing trust in God. How many this morning would agree with me that God is sovereign? All right, that's not a, that's not a scary word. It should not be a scary word to any of us. And again, you know that I reject Calvinistic philosophy and theology. I'm not a Calvinist, uh, but I do recognize that God is sovereign, meaning he's in control. And God can, can take care of things that I could never take care of. And God can help with things when I need his help. And, and a lot of times submitting to uh, proper authority and leadership shows a demonstration of my trust in God. Here's another thought. By submitting, you'll have a greater influence on your husband. And I'll give you a Bible verse for that, 1 Peter 3.1. Likewise, ye wives, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, meaning if their husband is not really living according to the word, 
They may also, without the word, be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives. Now, here's why a lot of people don't like that verse. Because it takes too long. Oh, you mean I don't, I don't say anything, I just kind of trust the Lord and kind of let God work, you know? And, and uh, that, man, that would take too long. I want results and I want them now. And I'm sure there's some wired like me that way. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to wait. I mean, but, but understand, I recognize that well-placed pressure produces quicker results, but long-term effects are costly. They, they, they take a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of prayer, a lot of patience. Um, but, but I want you to understand something. Study your Bible. I think you'll recognize this in your own personal experience. God's, God's way is not always uh, developing for a quick change. That, that, that's really not what God is after. God is after lasting change. And you pay attention to the scriptures. He's not always interested in quick change. He wants lasting change. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle with their Christian life. Like we, we see that. And I'm not dismissing this, but sometimes somebody's struggling in their marriage, maybe they're struggling with addiction, they're struggling with this, they're struggling with that. And they come to a church service and make a decision for Christ and they think, okay, this is it. And they come three or four weeks and they, they, they want this immediate quick change. But listen, I'm preaching to people as I look across this room, many of you have been church members for many, many years and it's taken you a long time to get to where you are. But, the, but where you have gotten, it's a more lasting change. And, and that's what God really wants to do in your life. And that's why a lot of people, they, they don't, they're not willing to read the Bible every day. They're not willing to go to church three times a week for years on end. They're not willing to spend time in prayer, even though they've had to ask for the same thing over and over and over and over again for, for a continuing period of time. Because they're after quick change instead of lasting change. So keep that in mind. And here's the last thought. When you submit to your husband, you are ministering to his needs. See, your willingness to follow encourages him to lead. Again, I think most men, not all men, most men are are peaceful people. And they do not like conflict. And so I think what can easily happen is men can become emasculated very quickly and they think, why bother? Because if I do this, if I say this, it's just going to be a real problem and I'd rather not deal with it. And so eventually they just kind of stop. Now, I don't think that that's right, but, but I, I do think it's real. It happens a lot. And I'm just saying what we do is we, we encourage good leadership when we follow good leadership. I mean, I, I can speak of that in, in other areas. Listen, if, if I decided as a pastor, hey, I, let's do this, and everybody's just, nah, 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 nah. okay, well, then let's have this program. We're going to do this. And nah, 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 nah. Then after a while, you're just going to say, well, we're just not going to do anything. Why bother? And then everybody's, nah, 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 nah. they won't lead. You know, it, it's just, it, it can be a real catch-22. And so I'm just trying to encourage you that you're ministering uh, to, to, his, to a, a pretty significant need where God has put it in the heart of man. Remember, when God created Adam, before Eve came on the scene, somebody help me this morning. We got three minutes. We'll be out of here. What did God tell Adam to do? Yeah, he, he said, have dominion over this garden. Now, somebody, 
Somebody tell me, what's, dominion is a, is a, that's a King James word, and, and I like it, it's a good word. But what would, in modern vernacular, what, what would you replace that word with? A synonym. Manage. I want you to manage this. It was still God's green earth, wasn't it? But God said, I want you to manage this. I want you to oversee it. I want you to lead this. Well, listen, in the breast of every man, and I'm talking about male persons, in the breast of every man is, is a God-given desire and responsibility to manage something. And he's given us homes. And, and, and again, I, I feel that you're helping him uh, when, when, you, when you follow leadership. Remember, it's about respect, right? Ladies, I hope, and I'll say more about this next week as we talk about a husband's responsibility to love and to sacrifice. But ladies, I hope that you can find something. Why don't I give you this challenge and we'll be done. I hope you can give, give you something to respect your husband about. You know, and, and communicate that to him. Hey, listen, I really respect the fact that you work hard. I really re respect the fact that you spend time with the kids. I really respect the fact that you are this or you're that. Listen, you, some of you might have to be creative. <laughs> but you should respect him about something. And you should express it to him. All right? You want to be told that you're loved. You want to be told that you're, you're uh, appreciated. Um, and, and he's no different, okay? So those are some thoughts, and I hope, hope that that's helpful to you. Uh, and again, I, I really hope that our church is mature enough and strong enough that it doesn't resent some of these controversial issues. And I'm not trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. I mean, you know, I preached on modesty Sunday night. I'm not, I'm not trying to just, hey, how can I just rankle people? No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to be a good pastor, and I'm trying to be faithful to the whole counsel of God's word. And so, again, I just, I really hope that we'll take into consideration these things and be spirit-filled as we follow them.